Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And, man, we are we're in Columbus, Mississippi. And I have Tom Bigby Tales. Uh, this is a podcast that has been making... Huge waves. I think Shannon Evans is just just past the hundred thousand download mark. Yeah, I think and, about uh, I think one hundred three thousand today. And boy, she is really just making people awfully mad. And uh, I've had friends contact me, and they was like, "Well, if she keeps going and doing what she's doing, she might be liable for lawsuit." But I tell you something. Go down to the uh, library. Go down to the courthouse. Look at these files for yourself. Uh, you can't sue over the truth, brother. No, and a lot of it's in newspapers. It's in the public pay. It's in the newspaper. It's in. You can do a public records request. They're in budgets. They're in um, at the state when you look at when when because these are nonprofits. I've been writing about. So when you. The nonprofits have to file what's called a 990, which declares what what grants they've gotten or what grants they've given. These are all public records. I am not making any of this up. Mm. Everything I do, even if somebody tells me something, I go and find it in public record. Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing. Like when I'm, uh, and I know we're, we, I want to spend our time here talking about the blues and the blues foundation that you're in. But I just want to spend a little time here in the opening with Tom Bigby Tales because you're making such big waves. Is uh, man, I, I I think there's a huge misconception. Uh, like someone actually giving a good report and doing a a fair dose of journalism, and I think it's a shocking all to the community of just how shocking it is, how corrupt. Uh, people who we may or may not have elected are people who have been put in places have been taken advantage of the position that they're in. Yeah. And well, uh, I, I ain't with I, it. Well, like for instance, right now there's a grant out there that for the MDAH and I sent a formal letter to the MDAH and I was like, and it's for Columbus. It's for the Tennessee Williams building. It had a match share from our mayor, but our mayor hadn't gone to the city council to get approval, and it's not in the budget, and it's not in the minutes. Now, he's had since September when he signed that piece of paper, and so he does one letter that says, well, he'll work with the city council to find it, but the other letter, the formal letter, that's the responsibility of the, that's like a promissory note that goes in the documentation that's filed with MDAH. He signed it. It says the money's there. He's promising the money. Now, did somebody slip that paper through to him and he just signed it and he didn't bother to read? It doesn't matter if he didn't read it or not. His signature's on it. He's on the hook for it. It So, <laughs> help me out here. So, I contacted MDAH and I said... There's some problems with this application. Mm -hmm. So the MD and I had four questions. I said, the requirements are, you've done a grant request. There's always requirements, right? Mm -hmm. So there were, four of their requirements are not in there. One is this letter that's signed and he, he's wishy-washy and he says he uh, he's going to work with the city council, but he promised it. That's one. Number two was he, there were supposed to be photographs of the damage and so initially it was for damage to the porch, but somehow they made the MDAH think that the interior, they had some, some rain, they had a flashing issue from one of where one of their chimneys leaked when they had a new roof put on and it was repaired, but it caused some, apparently it caused some plaster damage inside. 
Well, mm-hmm. Carpenter's trying to finesse this into a $220,000 bill. At most, it might be a $75,000 repair. But somehow it's gotten blown. And so anyway, so she needed $54,069.69 from the city for her 20% match share. Mm-hmm. That's not accurate. There's no photographs of the damage in the grant application. Nowhere. If we're no talking about the, if we're talking about the same building, if I'm not mistaken, I think you did a walkthrough of it. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. And and like you you video it's a the two entire, over two. It's yeah. two bedroom. It's two rooms upstairs and two rooms downstairs with an addition of a bathroom and a little small dining room that have been added on. Mm. We're talking. This is the same building that Nancy Carpenter tried to give back to MDOT. And without this, without the CVB board's knowledge, and when they found out, they called her on it because she, she doesn't. If you, if we give that building back, we also have to give MDOT four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's in the agreement. I went and pulled that at the courthouse, so all this paperwork exists. And so when I asked him, I I asked MDAH, I'm like. You're, it was supposed to have three letters of recommendation. You have two. One of those is not signed, and it's by a blind woman who's in a nursing home. She didn't sign it. So there's two letters, one of which isn't signed. She's supposed to have three. There's no photographs. Um, there's the, the promise of money that doesn't exist that's not been approved by the city council. So you've got all these things. Mm-hmm. Send it to MDAH, and MDAH doesn't answer the questions I've asked. So I have now gone back to MDAH for a third time and said, "You have I, I understand what you're saying. They're saying that the building needs work. Got it. No one's saying it doesn't. No one's saying it shouldn't be preserved. This building wouldn't sell for $220,000 in Columbus, Mississippi. Hmm. It's literally four rooms and an added-on public restroom yeah and like all the critique of all the things that you have been doing with tom bigby tales is well you know shannon she don't don't pay her any attention like i mean she's she's just blowing smoke up people's butts she doesn't know what she's talking about da 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 all this and that and like my my rebuttal and my critique and like the conversation that I had just before I got off the phone and then I hopped on the phone with you. I was talking to a friend of mine and he was like, if she doesn't stop messing around, she's going to get sued. And my rebuttal is for what? For it's reporting for reporting the truth. You, It's a public record. And so, like, I wish more people like I wish I had a hundred of you. Like, of all age groups, it's like, as a community, as a as a town, as a city, uh, however you want to look at it, I wish more people took this much pride in their town to be like, look at, this is where the money's going. Mm-hmm. Follow the and, money. And it ain't doing what it's supposed to be doing. We have a problem. And like I'm I'm inspired by it. Like I, I I've I'm for it. And help me down, you know, of the grants and everything else is like if I'm in an association with you and I don't get those grants, be damned. I don't care. It don't matter. Uh I'll 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 work the festivals within the city without them. I don't I don't care. Uh, I, I would like to have the grants. No, but it like, would have, I mean, it would. And there, and there is, there is no good reason why I shouldn't have it because of all the tourism and everything that my festival would offer the city. It would be foolish not to 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 re- receive that grant. How many people but, did you have at the grant at the festival last year? Almost a thousand people. How many were at the festival the year before? Well, the, fe- the the festival before was in Kennedy, um, but oh, so numbers. that okay, so it was it was elsewhere. Okay, yeah. so how many people can you have? I mean, what what's the potential this year? 
the goal is twenty five hundred, and um, with the talent that I booked, I don't. I wouldn't doubt the fact that it could be possibly five thousand. Like honestly, at Munson Brothers, after this year, I don't think that's a big enough place to hold what I want to do, and that is the thing that I'm trying to. Wouldn't the, the soccer city. fields be a great place to hold it if you had a real stage? That would be the thing. That Or how about that amphitheater that nobody ever uses? Well, because it's not done because they put the electricity down on the ground in the floodplain. And every time it floods, who put the electrical conduits down at the bottom of the amphitheater in a floodplain? Come on, it's right on the river. The other thing is, is they don't have any restrooms. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many issues. It is perfect. But why not use the amphitheater out at the Lock and Dam? That would be totally fine when we get to that there's, point. There's but also like, that. This is, this is my second year of doing Porch Fest in Columbus, and I'm so thankful for Ryan Munson and Munson and Brothers allowing me to use that space. I think it's perfect. We have uh, good people brewing from Birmingham, Alabama, to come out and supply the beer. And then uh, Munson and Brothers will be cooking and providing food, and then we'll have artisans. Uh, if you would like to see what everybody is offering, like there'll be artists, or maybe they're uh, making earrings, or they're selling art, whatever else, all inside the garden. Maybe if we get the street shut down, you know, are there that would be That side street would be awesome, or over there where the parking Wouldn't lot it? is by the Boy Scout. Wouldn't it? And, uh, I mean, last year they gave me the shaft with that. Is I. They gave me the runaround. They gave me the runaround getting the street shut down. Who did? So at the city council, city hall, whatever. Is uh, I went up there to be like, who do I talk to about getting the street shut down? And they were like, go see so and so. Well, so and so told me to go see so and so. Then so and so wasn't even there. And like, I, after going there two or three times, I was like, I'm gonna wash my hands of this. I don't care anymore. How sad when it won't. When it would benefit our town. I mean, just think of the because the people will then go and buy gas. They'll they'll go to our grocery store and buy ice and drinks or whatever. They'll, they'll stay, stay in the hotel. Hotels. They'll go to Zachary's. They'll go to Zachary's. They'll go. They'll to go to. They'll, the they'll go. They'll go to print the princess after to have a drink. They'll go to Zachary's after to have a yeah. drink. I mean, they'll do all this. It's good for the economy. They're staying at the hotel. They're doing Airbnb. They're doing everything. And like, you want just turn it away and just, just act like it doesn't matter. Well, we're going to make it matter. We're going to make it matter. The, because the, I have always said, I am not here to destroy the CVB. I am here to hold people accountable. And then I'm here to build tourism in this town because we have a lot to offer. We have a lot to offer. We mm -hmm. have a lake. We have all, all those people who come down the river. We don't mm -hmm. monopolize. All that. We have those two stupid tour buses, and yet we never go and meet the people out in the marina and say, hey, let we don't even have a taxi service or, or I don't even know. I don't even do we have Uber here? Do we yeah, have we Uber? Do. We do. Okay. Do they go and pick up people? I mean, do they know down at that that marina? Dude, I'll tell you. I I probably shouldn't say this on here, but I'll tell you a little something about our Uber. Is like you might be sitting next to the person at the bar who's going to drive your Uber. Oh well, you know it is Columbus. <laughs> it's Mississippi. We're good old yeah. boys. Anyways, my my point is, we have these <laughs> we have these opportunities where we could market to these people and get them because they're spending money at the marina. The marina's not free to stay there. You moor, you pay a mortgage fee. That's money coming into our community. Mm -hmm. Have them come into our town. They're asking what's there to do. They're asking. And I'm trying to provide something. Agreed. You and others, and they're getting shot down. Roast and boast. I saw the CVB director Want mm -hmm. nothing to do with roast and boast. She even insinuated that they are not her people. Yeah, what what does that you know even how much mean? Money those people bring. Their rigs are a hundred thousand dollars. Some of them. 
those people have money to spend. They spend money on our, again, our gas, our ice, our hotels. They are spending money in our town, and they are not here just overnight. They're here for like two or three nights. And, and Shannon, let me tell you, is I grew up in Kennedy in Millport, Alabama, Lamar County, Alabama. Everyone in that county, when they go to do anything, they first up is Columbus. But how many times over the years has Columbus turned something down like this to where you force me to drive 10, 20, 30 miles more to go get a service that I could have had right there in Columbus? It's wrong. It's almost, it's, it's almost like you don't want to do business. Well, uh, at least you don't want to attract a business. I, I, I just, we can do better. We and, I do think better. That, and I think that, like, not all, apart from all the wonderful things that you do with Tom Bigby Tales, but, I mean, these are the things that, that really draw me to it, is, like, when you begin to shine light, and I, and I think that's why, like, you stir people up. <laughs> is uh like I'll tell you something uh, in a minute. <laughs> oh, we, oh, oh! There's a little light being shined on things that we didn't really want people to know. Oh, and I mean, I don't think it's 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 not far fetched that why your podcast is so successful just because of that because people people like that, <laughs> you know. Well, well, here's the thing. Somebody has pooped in the in the punch bowl. And everybody else is pretending the turd is not floating in the punch bowl. So they use the spoon and they, they may make the punch have waves. They don't touch the poop, but they just kind of make waves <laughs> in the punch to push the poop to the other side. And then they dip out of the punch bowl and they drink from the same punch bowl where the poop is floating. Yeah. And they are willing to accept that. And I'm the one coming in going, hey, y'all, there's poop in the punch bowl. We can't drink this. Who did this? Let's hold them accountable. Make them pay to go make us new punch. Mm -hmm. And then it pisses people off. And what's funny is people who have great ethics, or I thought... Because to me, it's an ethical question. If you don't call this out, if you don't say, if you just accept it as status quo that that's the way business is done or that's the way people do business, then you're just as guilty as the person sticking their finger in the pie and stealing or pooping in the punch bowl. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I will not, I mean, to my own detriment, to my own detriment, I mean, I, I I cannot explain to you how fundamentally corrupt the behavior is that I'm 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 witnessing and and it's so blatant and nobody is I'm just like going hello. I mean, well, Shannon, I mean, like people are beginning to dig in your past and they want to know like why with your school history. Like, why you were removed. I mean, like, people are beginning to dig into that. You know, like, people oh, are well, beginning I'll to dig. I'll tell you exactly why I did the right people thing. Are, go ahead. Tell us. One, they were upset with me because I told the kids the truth in the classroom. I got there called go. on the carpet because I stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm respectful. But I do not say the Pledge of Allegiance. Do you want to know why? Go ahead. Tell me. Because the Pledge of Allegiance was a poem written to sell flags. Okay. It was written by a Christian socialist. His name was Francis Bellamy. The okay. first salute to the to the flag was essentially the Roman salute. Who else used the Roman salute? Hitler. We use that salute until World War II. I got a problem with that. It's a fealty oath today. It's used like a fealty oath. I just don't embrace that. And my students asked. Why don't you say the Pledge of Allegiance? I told them. I gave them the history. I said, if you don't believe me, look it up. The kids looked it up. Oh, my God. Mrs. Evans is right. Okay. I won't lie to you. But then that transpired into I had a, I had I literally had a 
a student in a restroom. I won't go in a student restroom. You're not supposed to. You shouldn't. And I, <laughs> with the parent's permission, I texted that student and said, are you okay? And you're not supposed to text students in school. I did it with the parent's permission, the parent's knowledge. And I got canned for doing the right thing because the student was in the bathroom crying, being bullied, blah, blah, blah. And the student didn't feel safe going to the counselor because the counselor and the student who was bullying her, his parents were good friends. And it's a small mm -hmm. town and she didn't feel safe. I even communicated with the parents the whole time I was doing this. Anyways, I got canned for it, but whatever. I don't care. Right I will on. always do the right thing. I right will on, always do the right thing. Speaking of and, right and, things. And if I don't do the right thing, it's not because I didn't try. And I will come back and go, okay, I could have done that better. And speaking of right things, I would like to transition over to what you do for the Blues community. And I am so happy about that. Tell us a little bit about the Blues Foundation that you have. Okay, I work, I'm the vice president of the Mount Zion Memorial Fund, um, which is an organization that works with um, blues communities and blues and the descendants of blues artists to capture the history, commemorate, and to mark the final resting places of uh it started out as marking the final resting places of blues artists, but it's become more than that. We now work to um, to protect and to document uh, sacred sites in African-American communities. We can't just call them cemeteries. They're more like burial spaces because not it's not always a marked, organized space. It might be on old plantations it might be in a I mean, some of them are in like like right of ways on a street i mean it's just you know it's all kinds of places but it's making sure they don't get lost okay in just go 10 miles south from where i'm sitting right now in crawford alabama or crawford crawford mississippi i'm sorry uh-huh yeah uh that's a that's a prime example or if, williams or if Yes, or if we were in downtown Columbus, uh, where that blues marker is, like yeah, none of these things ass. are correctly <laughs> placed. But yeah, well, uh, well, the marker for Big Joe Williams that's on the highway is a blues marker, and that was because somebody paid to put it there. His actual headstone, which is almost as tall as I am, and I'm about five two and a half, and I, it comes up to un just under my chin. His actual headstone. We placed it made by, I think we had it made at Marble Works. Um, we placed it in the pasture where his trailer used to be and where he used to like to sit under the tree. And it's, it's literally in a cow pasture, but it's an African-American cemetery in that cow pasture. There are other people buried up the hill from him, but we did that. And that was to, because otherwise he was in an unmarked grave and he hadn't been gone that long. Ain't that wild. It's just the way it is. Unfortunately. When you're poor, you can't, I mean, when your family's trying to put food on the table and pay the electric bills, a stone on a dead man's grave is, it, it, it's an extravagance because they're expensive. They are. And I mean, just, <laughs> we were talking during the day, I drove out to Crawford today. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? I went out and looked at the, the blues marker. Mm -hmm. And the blues marker is set. Uh, is that a child's care center in Crawford or that where it's set? Yeah, it's a community child care. It's, a, it's an old Head Start building. I think. And, and I think about all the things that you had told me and I just kind of parked for a minute and I was just kind of sitting in that. And I was like. That's about 10 miles from where he's buried. Exactly. Maybe, maybe six or seven, but it, and, I mean, it's. You can't you can't get there from here. Did you try and get to where he's buried? You can't. It's it's like you got to go hither and yon and over and under. I, and I would I would have to have you because I don't know how to get there. No, it's 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 not, and it's not on the actual blues trail, and that's where he's. It's actually where he physically is buried. 
And that's what's so crazy to me is like I have friends from uh, Tuscaloosa who are just getting into the the blues trail. Like they they're uh, enamored by the blues. These are guys in their fifties, uh, you know, and they they had great jobs and they're retired now, and they've been playing golf and now like they think they're into the blues and now they're <laughs> they're, they're they're running these. They probably running- think Eric Clapton's a bluesman. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're running the blues trail, and like they're going through all these blues markers, and I've wrote them a couple of times, and I was like, at every point in Mississippi, and I was like, yeah, you caught that blues marker, but that that's ain't not has not the blues. That's not it. No, and and it's so wild. Like, hearing hearing that back, not, hearing that back and correct. forth, hearing that back and forth is like, what do you mean? And I was like. That's just where it was placed. Yeah, somebody paid to put it there. And they're usually like the one on Catfish Alley. Where is it? Is it on Catfish Alley? Is it in front mm-hmm. of a black-owned business? Where no. is it in front of? I mean, no, it's at the lawyer's office. It's outside a white lawyer's office. And she's not even there anymore. She's moved to Jackson. It's across the street from the white Episcopal Church. Now. Episcopal churches, we don't care who's there, but it's traditionally a white. Is it, it, it put it on Catfish Freaking Alley where it matters? And the other thing is, it's not all accurate. I mean, cat- catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Fish Alley Blues, if you hear it, now Booker was a great guy, but Booker just took and made some words to go to an old blues tune, <laughs> it wasn't original. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the West Point blues and the you know Crawford blues, whatever the Aberdeen blues. They're all probably the same. Written, it, it's just I don't know. Is it? And, and a lot of it is. It's very white centric. A lot of stuff is white centric. No, I think it's. I think wrote, it's. I think. I think it's whitewashed. Well, it is absolutely because a couple of reasons. Those signs are people pay for them. They bought them. Yes, Most they of them are in front of white-owned businesses because white businessmen bought them because they knew it was good for bringing traffic into their businesses. Mm-hmm. So they then bless Scott Peretta. I think he tries. I don't always agree with him, and I, he. <laughs> Perpetuates a lot of white myth and a lot of what I call the magical Negro story. For instance, you know, uh, Robert Johnson going and getting, you know, selling his soul to the devil, whatever. Oh my, I, I'm so over that. But which co- which crossroads did he go to? The one what? in Greenwood? The one in Crawford or in uh, uh, Clarksdale? The one, in, I mean, it, it's all it, BS. It, yeah. But Robert it, Johnson did as much as that shit. Last conversation I had about uh, all that, and they were telling me it's like the crossroad and all this. I've been there, and I was like, "Where did you go? Where did you go? <laughs> I'm going back to which crossroad? <laughs> I went to the marker, and I was like, "You didn't which go. marker? There's three. You didn't go. There's three. And I was like, all this mysticism with the magical, you know, all this and that. That's not even it." The, well, the true the true story is there for anyone to see. Like he he got laughed out of town, and he went to the next town over, and he was he learned how to play, and then he came back eventually. Yes, because he woodshedded. He did yes. what any good musician does. You want to know how he got better? I'll tell you how he got better. Pardon me, I'm putting my hair back. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, Getting fired so, up. I am. He lived in Baptist Town, which is a, a black community within Greenwood, Mississippi. It's what we'd call cross the railroad track, right? Mm-hmm. Baptist Town is a series of shotgun shacks. 
these people did not live. They were not sharecroppers. They were day laborers and they would get picked up every day by the, by the Witten's plantation or somebody else's. And they'd come and they'd drive around and they'd pick up everybody, man, woman, didn't matter. They made you get in the truck and you were made to go to work. You'd get in trouble if you didn't go to work. Robert mm -hmm. Johnson would hide under the bed so that he they wouldn't find him when it was time to go to work because he could make more money every day sitting on the corner of his where his house was right down from Honey Boy Edwards, literally. And he would sit across from the grocery store. It was, I can't remember the name of the grocery store. It became called Pang Grocery Store, but that was Truett's. He'd sit across from Truett's and he would play every evening and people would pay him a quarter, a nickel, whatever. But they were only making a dollar a day in the fields, if that. He was making th three times that every evening, sitting outside entertaining the folks. Why wouldn't you do they it? were buying him his beer and his cigarettes and everything else. And mm -hmm. the women, you know. But during the day, he was in his cabin while everybody else was at work. Because they worked from sunup to sundown. It's not like they went at 8 in the morning and got home at 5. They worked from sunup to sundown, and he was in his house woodshedding, playing music. He was teaching himself, and he was working at it. So this whole deal with the devil, bullshit. Oh, hell I yeah. You know, I said like, it. Oh, one of, one of my favorite movies is Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? And Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, like... <laughs> I, I love, and it, it was it was the Odyssey of the South, right? And and it 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 played it so well, but uh -huh. like then again, like moving. It's the whole. It's the story of charlatans everywhere. <laughs> There's all charlatans. I mean, think yeah. about uh, it's all about the money, boys. And then he slapped the corn out of uh, George Clooney's mouth. Yeah, you know, we're all charlatans. That's it. And so like. With with your Blues Foundation and what you're trying to do for these families, and you've told me uh, many wonderful stories. Like, tell me about like the hat. Uh, she still wears the hat. Like with some of the things oh, that uh, Mary Frances Hurt. She's Mississippi John Hurt's granddaughter, mm -hmm. and she has the Mississippi John Hurt Foundation, which is in Carroll County. And she has her grandfather's bowler. I guess that's what it is. It's, it's a, a bowler it's a, cap. Yeah, it's a bowler cap. She wears it all the time because it makes her reconnect to her grandfather. And she has preserved his house. She paid to have it moved onto the a couple miles away onto her piece of property with her family. They moved the Mount uh, uh, St. James Missionary Baptist Church. They preserved that. That was the church where he played and the whole garbage that Tom Hoskins discovered him. And his blue son, and we're still fighting. They said he could have his blue, that blue son moved. We're still fighting to have it moved. It's still sitting in front of a store where John Hurt never could have played, never could have walked in, never could have sat on that porch, much less stepped on it. But it's the BS and that if it weren't for Willie Namur, fiddle player, he wouldn't have been discovered. And that's not true because he'd already had records recorded. Mm-hmm. So and that else? was by Ralph Limbo down in Green Greenwood, Nitabina. So what else is uh with the, the the blues nonprofit you're working in? And well, what is right, the name? It's called and, the it's called the Mount Zion Memorial Fund. And so what else are they working towards? Well, one of uh, one of the things we're doing is this spring we're doing a we're doing we're going down to the Gulf Coast. And uh, we're marking the grave. The blues right. was in the Gulf Coast, Shannon? Oh, I know. Isn't that hard to believe? Was it really? <laughs> it really was. So anyways, Roosevelt Graves is buried down there and with his wife. And we've done a headstone. We've done a double headstone to commemorate Roosevelt Graves and his wife because she doesn't have a headstone either. And mm. so we're going to mark their grave. And it's down. It's near. It's, it's on the Gulf Coast. It's kind of inland. But um. So we're marking that. And the Ground Zero uh, club down there has graciously provided us with the space to do um, uh, a repass of sorts to to do our presentation with the with the descendants and to honor Roosevelt Graves and 
give him a proper headstone because he doesn't have one. He doesn't have anything. Would the previous work that the foundation has done or the fund has done up to now with marking these graves and mm -hmm. re restoring honor mm -hmm. is what I would call. What mm -hmm. does that mean to the the family members that are still kicking? It means it's a place for them to go to honor their loved one. It means that their loved one's not forgotten. It means that their history will live on and is preserved. It means it's really interesting um, because it means like when when we did, so we did the, the, the headstone at Mississippi John Hurt's grave, which is in Carroll County. It's up in Teoc, mm -hmm. up above Avalon. And there's been encroachment. The actual <laughs> board of supervisors gave this, white guy across the road the land he just gave it to him that actually belongs that belonged to the hurt family but it was part of the saint james missionary baptist church it was where the church actually was and where the graveyard where the original graveyard was and those graves some had headstones but most did not because that was from the 18 i mean it was it's been a grave uh, grave site since um, those people were enslaved. I mean, we're talking the 1850s and 60s. So, anyways, this, the county gave those grave sites away. But across the road is where most of the Hurt family is buried. And that's where John Hurt's buried back in the... And, and it's wooded. It's pretty. And so, we wanted to make sure that the encroachment is... That, that we recognize this spot for what it is and to prevent further encroachment. So mm -hmm. we put <laughs> a marker up to the St. James Missionary Baptist Church, and we listed the people, who, the families that are buried up there and their history. And Mary Frances had a, like a St. Oliphant's walk. They played um, John Hurt's, you got to walk this lonesome valley and you got to walk it for yourself. And so, oh, and they wow. had, and they had musicians there and they had because they had the the festival, the John Hurt Festival the day before. And so all these people walking down there and there were people from Italy and uh, where were they from? Italy and France and all these places, Belgium and, you know, all over the United States and Canada. Wow. And they were all there walking. And guess what they ran into? On the way to the gravesite, which is public, which is, I mean, anybody's entitled to go to a grave, a gravesite of a church, especially descendants are buried there. These people who had had encroached and taken the land across the street decided to put a big yellow extension cord across the road, and they're yelling. All these people walking up, they're singing. And they're marching arm in arm and they're prayerful and they're celebratory. And they're singing, you can't come up here. What? Yes. You can't have all You can't come up Yep, exactly. Who no. are you? You don't belong up here. And, no. they, and they were ugly and they were, they said some things that were, racially ugly but what was funny was the majority of the people were guests from all over the world and they got to see mississippi at its unfortunate historical <laughs> behavior but it, these yeah. are all, it, it, it's just the perpetuation of the the stupid the stupid things that we don't like to to think about I think about the the own stupidity of my own life is uh, like uh, some of the things that I know better in and personally and then as a state as a whole. We got to do better. I, I give grace to it, but God, dog, we got to do better. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, you know, when you turn to go from the graveyard to um, where John Hurt's museum is. And all these people who come out to go to that museum, come to the uh, festival. Yeah. They got to go past. Uh, 
they got to go past the signs that are all um, uh, white supremacist garbage. I agree with that. There, I mean, it's on parade. It's a, it's a, it's a white camellia flag. It's all the things that you know, the, all the hallmark signs of white supremacy. And then there's ugly things about leadership that's not, you know, positive. And 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 these guests go by this, and I'm like going, and Carroll County wants us to support their tourism. <laughs> I'm like, how oh about my God. that? How about in that? in full in full defense, the mayor, who's also I don't know if she's still the mayor. Anyway, she's in charge of tour of the their equivalent of the CVB, the Carroll County Visitors Bureau, is the mayor, or vice versa. I don't know which it is. Anyways, she's lovely and she's trying really hard. the 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 clerk of the court, I think he's the chancellery clerk. He's trying hard. But mm. it's it's it, it's it's an it's an age old battle in Mississippi, and we got to stop it. I mean, John Hurt's father was lynched. Yeah, I mean, I some Hurt was lynched when John was just a baby. I think he was like eighteen months old when his dad was lynched. Absolutely, I mean. That's why I'm so thankful for the the Blues Foundation that you're part of is uh, not only shining light on these people, but the Blues markers aside, but also telling the story. And that's something that we're doing right now and making sure that the people's stories are not only told, but told correctly. Yeah. Well, I always tell people my favorite one is um, uh, Charlie Patton. And I've been working on a book on Charlie Patton. And um, hopefully I'll finish it this summer. I mean, it's done. The writing's done. I was just, mm. I was working with a graphic artist and I think we're done. We'll see. Um, you're never, you're never sure until you, you know, to your editor says it's done. Um, but the thing that's fascinating is, you know, uh, so many historians have tried to say that so Charlie Charlie Patton had light skin. He had freckles. He had greenish greenish blue eyes, and he had um, he had blondish red hair. He was very light skin, and they'll go. Well, his grandmother was a Native American. Like, oh my God, no, she wasn't. She was an enslaved woman who mm -hmm. had who had a child, Charlie's father, with a white man who was the overseer. His mm -hmm. name was Bill Patton. Bill, whether it was consensual or not, she was still an enslaved woman and she didn't really have a voice in it. However, in Bill Patton's defense, he claimed his son, William Patton, who was Charlie Patton's father, and he actually claimed his grandchildren. So I will give, I mean, he was... And then he 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 drove after the Civil War. He drove a hack in the area, which is like a taxi. And then he eventually became a, a night watchman down in New Orleans, where he died. But he, we know, we know that Charlie Patton was the child, the grandchild of a white man. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no Native American in him, none. Mm -hmm. Right. And and, it, and it's just a stupid lie to tell. But the lie is told because it makes it, it it makes white people more comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's easier to say that he was part Native American instead of he was probably raped. She was probably raped by by a white man and had you know, or if not, there was a power imbalance and she didn't have a choice in whether she had sex with the man. And this child was was a product of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's far more comfortable to say, yeah, she was married to a Native American. And, that, you know, he's part Choctaw. Like, he ain't no Choctaw. <laughs> yeah. It's well, Shannon, I have three questions left for you. Okay. We'll walk out of the door. Is uh, question one. Uh, what are you most looking forward to in this year? 
with the Blues Foundation. I'm working on a project that will capture the history and the preservation of the building that was a previously an African-American hospital that became the Riverside Inn in Clarksdale, where the blues artists stayed and where they essentially lived. I mean, they, they stayed in the hotel there. How wonderful and is that? And and it's on it's in the Green Book, you know, that's you know, people seen that movie. Um, it's it's actually and it's also in the gold book, which was an uh, an African American guide book for where they could where a traveler could stay safely during um, segregation. And I just think that's the coolest project ever. Question two. <coughs> Tom Bigby tells, as you continue to to catch the Society <laughs> of Columbus, Mississippi with your unbantered tales that are completely true if you go to the public record. And maybe people in public office don't like that so much. What's the go with Tom Bigby Tales? What, what are you trying to do over there? Uh... One, I want to capture the stories of our town. I mean, the history of our town is, is really interesting. Our people are interesting. They've done some interesting things. I mean, who knew a, a, pre, a priest at the Episcopal Church uh, was the guy who wrote the screen with the, the book that the screenplay, The Ten Commandments, was built <laughs> was based on. I mean, who knew? I didn't know that. I mean, there's just I, all kinds of stuff. I'm learning things now. Yep. So, I mean, you know, that's that's a big deal. Uh, his name's right after Cecil B. DeMille's in the in the credits. He's number two in the credits. I, I just think that's the coolest thing. Um, <laughs> and he died because he shot himself in the leg by accident. But anyways. <laughs> hit that wrong he dropped artery. a gun and it, it he dropped a gun in the vestibule of a church up in Holly Springs and it the bullet went up his leg and into his body cavity and mm, mm, mm. he essentially died of peritonitis ten days later. Anyways. Um 70, I think 70 years before the movie was made, or maybe 90 years before the movie. Anyways, but it was what the book was based and the book is what the screenplay was based on. Um, the, I just, I just random history of our town because it's kind of, I'm sure any town has history, I, but this is ours. And I find it interesting that people from all over the world listen to my podcast. I've got people downloading Japan, France, the Netherlands. Uh, Brazil, uh, Argentina, Bangladesh. Who the heck in Bangladesh gives a care about the stories of Tom Bigby Tales? I guess you'd be surprised, Shannon. I guess so. I don't know. It's probably it's probably somebody's <laughs> cousin's brother or whatever. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the UK, but I laugh and I go, they're probably all my family. Um, Germany, those are probably all my my old neighbors. So I try and rationalize who's listening, you know, what? Gosh, there's somebody up in Nova Scotia. I'm like, oh, well, maybe that's my cousin's old girlfriend. You know, I'm just like trying to figure <laughs> it out. But it's 103,000 downloads later. Yeah, I, like uh, a friend of mine shared a meme with me earlier, and you may resonate with this or not. I mean, you're fresh in the game and you're you're highly successful. But um, he was like, when it comes to being a successful podcaster, most people quit. After 23 episodes. And uh, that's the real test. Well, I'm having too much fun. I, th I don't know how many I'm at now. I'm over I'm, 70. Yeah, you don't know her. I, but I'm just having fun. But the only thing is, is that it started. It, I mean, I'll be honest. It started because I was so angry that we had no tourism in town. And I didn't understand why until I started digging. And that it did start out as just exposing the corrupt behavior of how one person talk about the butterfly effect. One person's corruption was having such an impact, a negative impact on this town. And now I got a fighter. I'm sorry. It's all my fault. I introduced you. Damn it. 
but I got you back. We're going to fill that paperwork. Yeah. Out. We're, We're going to get it done. We're going to do it because it's the right thing to bring more people to this town. I want you to have more than a thousand people at Porch Fest. I want you to have 10,000 people. I do too. I mean, why not? I don't understand. If, if I got a fighter, I'll fight her. Well, it's not a fight. We're just going to fill out the paperwork and do the whole whatever it is they, you know, do the whole ringaroo. Yeah, just I mean, it's unfair because those directions don't exist. No one has ever seen them before, and it's new. She did it to create another barrier. That's fine. That's fine. We're going to still get your content before the board February. 27th or whenever the heck we're supposed to be there. And Shannon, I'll tell you this. I, I will like 100% be at that meeting. But like on top of that, like I remember being in college, Shannon, and applying for scholarship. Mm -hmm. And like when I, when I talked to people who were on the board of the scholarship, it was like, mm -hmm. well, all you got to do is apply and, you know, write a two thousand word essay and all this and that, and make it get, hard for you to get it, and and you'll get through, and and that's what I see it as. It's like it's a hoop I have to hop through because like, the persistent person is who gets it. Who yeah. get? I mean, you may not get everything you ask for, but I bet you get a portion of it. I, yeah, I don't. I don't care if I get all of it, but if I get some of the pie, baby, I'm here. And and. I mean, it's a quality of life grant. A festival is a quality of life. That's the kinds of things that they want to support. So why make it so hard to, I mean, you couldn't even find the 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 application. I had to go, I only because I had found it once before. Yeah, dude, I, I looked, uh, I went through two different search engines. You're not the only one. You I, are I, could, I, I could not find like how to apply for it. I have had more people tell me that they're like, it. Do, the application doesn't exist. They can't find it on the website. It does not exist. That's bad. That doesn't serve your community. Of course, their, if, their calendar is never up to date either, so I'm not surprised. I almost feel but, like they want it that way. I think the former director did, but she's on her way out. She's on her way out. She's going over to the Tennessee Williams building, and hopefully she doesn't stay there very long either. She needs to go to the house. I'd love for her to go to the house. Oh, well, Shannon, I have three questions to walk out the door. I don't know if we've already been there. You've done the first two. What's the third one? Third one. What was your favorite part of this conversation? I don't know. All of it. I always enjoy talking to you. It's always fun. Uh, oh, man. Well, you are 